0: Hey, what is going on? Welcome to this episode number 148 of Life and Lessons. This week, you're going to hear a conversation I had with Paul Mort. Paul is a coach who helps people lost, stuck, and overwhelmed with their current situations get things back on track. He is the author of the book, Paul Mort Will Save Your Life, and he hosts the Paul Mort Talks Shit podcast. In the next hour, you're going to learn how somebody with a dream life, earning huge amounts of money, and living in paradise could find themselves at rock bottom. How Paul rebuilt his life to overcome near impossible mental challenges. The exact steps that you can take to improve your position today, regardless of where you are to win back your life and take control of things. Paul's reflection on a year without alcohol and some of the benefits of going sober and so much more. I think you'll be able to tell when you're listening to this one that this is a conversation that I really enjoyed. This is one that I've been trying to make happen for quite a while now. We finally managed to pin down a date towards the end of last year. I traveled up to South Shields near Sunderland. We sat down together. We had this conversation and it's a great one. It is the first in-person guest conversation that I've recorded in almost two years. So there's just a good energy with this one. A lot is covered and I know that you're really going to enjoy it. But just before then, if you're new here, do make sure that you're subscribed to Life and Lessons on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you're listening right now. There are so many more great conversations just like this one coming this year. Floyd Woodrow, David Robson, Moshibar, Ali Abdul, all confirmed onto this podcast and many more people in my inbox right now who are teetering on the edge of confirming this year is going to be a good year for guest episodes. You do not want to miss it, so make sure that you're subscribed. But in the meantime, here it is. Episode number 148 of Life and Lessons with Paul Mort. I'd normally start by saying thank you for being here but we're in, we're in your place <laughs> I want so well, thank you thank for having you. Me.
1: thank you for being here <laughs> yeah. I appreciate
0: it I appreciate the invite and I appreciate you coming all the way here because uh, trying to get people to South Shields is not an easy feat it's a long old journey <laughs> but is. I'm here now I've made it um, I have been going through a back catalogue I've been trying to work out where to begin this right I've been listening to your content for a long time so I'm thinking there are, there are many places we could start are you um, trying
1: to say that I'm old
0: <laughs> not that not I've been that. doing this a long time that's what you're saying you right? are an OG you're I an am OG. an OG <laughs> and I'm trying to find a recurring theme and I'm like it could be this it could be that but something keeps coming up so I want to break the ice by starting here you took a shit in the street once <laughs>
1: Well, they, I did take a shit in the street once. I've got a, I've got a few mad stories about this. One of them was that I actually told that story on Saturday at an event I was speaking at in Warwick and I didn't even tell the whole story. I just had a picture of me bent over with my pants around my ankles in front of a thousand people in a theatre. So that's where that story became the most famous because I tell it in the theatre. Um, but essentially back in the day, here's another mad story. Last October, I did the Tyne Theatre and Opera House in Newcastle. And I have a picture that is basically where I took a shit. And after the show, I got an Instagram message (laughs) off a guy who was like, Are you taking the piss out of my restaurant? So this place where i took the shit was was a like a lifeboat thing showing you know, seaside towns coastal resorts. you always have this big lifeguard like the first yeah, the yeah. first lifeboat and it was a massive temple and now someone bought it and turned it into was a restaurant and he's like are you talking about my restaurant a thousand people <laughs> guy lives three doors up front me. i'm like no but yeah i did take a shit in public um once back in the day 2010 maybe 2010 I took a shit in the middle of a uh, in the middle of a class that I was teaching not in front of them all um, and then two weeks later I got a summons to go to court uh, about six months later I was in the court roundup He has the mad part in a newspaper that I wrote a weekly column for OPR's good for there you go Yeah, but a memorable story mate and one that not only did I learn lessons from it but listen the art of storytelling is a very powerful thing particularly when, you, when, you, when you're on the stage and people are waiting for you to drop something. It's, you know, the
0: best comedians are storytellers, not joke tellers. Talk to me about that, actually, on a quick tangent. So we were just talking about TikTok and pumping out yeah. lots and lots of content, yeah. right? Something I realize about you, and I try and do this in my life as well through the solo episodes, la, 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 is just saying everything there is to say <laughs> so nobody has anything against you, right? Yeah. At what point in your career of doing this did you think actually it's, it's, it's business positive for me to say I took a shit in the street yeah, to do yeah, this yeah. and this?
1: Mate, it's mad because... It's a great question, that. I was all... From about 2012 onwards when I started having all these mental health challenges, I started to really speak my mind because I got to this point of... Part of the reasons why I struggled so much with depression was because I built this life where... I wouldn't say I was a liar, but on the outside, I was professional. I was... I was a little bit outspoken, but I was professional. I'd never swear on socials. I'd never swear when I was on the stage, for example, and then people would come into my world and they'd get like a slightly different version of me. They'd get the real version of me, this version of me. Yeah. So I had one version on socials and one version in person. Yeah, I've actually seen this the other way around. I've seen people who are like lions on social media, but you meet them in real life they're like fucking mice. Yeah. I've seen it with numerous people in the fitness industry. I'm like, ooh, you're a little bit different than what you are online. Wow. Anyway, so I was the other way around. I'd be quite, not reserved, but I'd be professional. Be professional. And then in the, people come into my world and then get all offended and upset and that they, they just wouldn't vibe. That was part of the reasons why I had such a big challenge because it was almost like I was living a lie. So when my mental health challenges started happening, I was like, I've got to come out with this. I've got to tell people where I'm at. Um, and then... So I started there. I started talking about the mental health stuff. I started talking about, I've been diagnosed bipolar. I'm struggling with depression. I'm struggling with anxiety. And then I suppose I got to maybe 2016 and that's where I really started getting some hate. I was saying this this week, one of the prerequisites to being successful is that anything is you're going to get criticized. Like losers will let you know that you're winning. Losers will always let you know that you're winning. And, and I feel harsh saying that, but it's the truth. And in 2016, I started getting loads of hate. And... Some of the hate was things like, well, if you didn't do this and you didn't do that, and I know that you were taking cocaine and I thought you were doing this. I was like, well, you're right. So then I kind of owned the whole thing. And again, when you start, when your profile starts to go up, you become a bigger target for people. And when you're a bigger target, that's when people can start pulling out. Oh, well, I knew you when you were like this. And I knew that you did this and you fucking banged her and you've done this and you've taken that. And I just got to the point where I was like, well, wouldn't it be I started getting, actually, I started getting refreshment and I started getting weight off my shoulders when I started just telling the whole fucking truth. When I started telling the whole truth, any counsellor, any therapist, any coaching that I've had when I've been totally transparent and honest, it's where I've gotten the most from it. Like they say this thing, the truth will set you free. Um, I suppose the problem with the truth is not everyone likes it. Do you know what I mean? Not everyone likes it. If it doesn't match their truth, it's it's not the truth. but yeah, it was a it was kind of a a process of, right, I'm being honest about how I feel. And then eventually when people started, there was just some things that came out that I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. And then I just owned the whole thing. And I call this the, the kind of art of becoming unfuckwithable.
0: It's funny, I was just about to use that word. Yeah, there's something
1: very powerful about not, you can't say anything about me that I haven't already said. You can't dislike me more than I've disliked myself. So- you can come at me. The only thing, and that just means that I get triggered less. It means that I can laugh at people's comments. Oh, well played. Thanks for noticing. Yeah. Oh, I talk too fast. Thanks for fucking noticing. (laughs) I try really hard. I'm trying to deliver value here. (laughs) But then I get this, then I get this, um, the only time I get triggered if like someone questions my integrity because I'm like, that's not true. That's what you're saying there is
0: untrue. Yeah.
1: So that's the only time. And, and again, it's, it's powerful and I get great content from it.
0: I guess it holds more weight if, if everything else is on the table, when yeah. you say actually no, this one, yeah. like fuck that's off. Untrue. That's the, yeah, that's yeah, untrue. Yeah. I'm
1: going to defend that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, and I get amazing content from hate comments, amazing content. I mean, I have a whole section of my live show where I basically show everyone all the comments yeah. that I get. And people are like, people really say that to you? I'm like, yeah, just no one wants to talk about it. <laughs> but then I like to make little jokes about what people are saying. Um, and again, that puts me in a position of power. I'm like, these people are giving me a gift.
0: So yeah, it's a, uh, it's a very nice mindset shift that I had. Let's go back to that moment you just touched on. So 2012, around that point onwards. Um, you say on your website that you help people who are lost, stuck, and... Overwhelmed. Yeah. It sounds a lot from reading into your past that you were in that place, right? You were that guy. Yeah, everything that I give advice on. So then, take me back to the time before the current version of Paul yeah, the sat in sick, front mate. of me.
1: Sick. Great question. I so what I was about to jump on there was that that so I also run this um coaching academy. So I'm I'm we're accredited at the highest level to certify coaches now in a transformational way. And one of the things that I, that I'm teaching in that program is: listen, do not give advice on anything that you don't have first-hand experience of. Otherwise, it's opinion. And that, we all know what that means. Fuck all. So, 2012 was a period in my life where I was actually living in Marbella. I would, I'd built this dream life, if you like. I was living what most people would call a dream, but in fact, it was a fucking nightmare. So I'd sold, I'd, I'd built a business that was very successful. I had a marketing company and a supplement company. And I was making more money than I thought I would ever be able to make. I was living in a four bedroom villa with a private pool, two amazing kids, one a newborn, one two years old, a uh, hot wife, a wicked car, all that jazz, fucking eight hour work week or something. Um, the only way I can describe it is I'd built the life that when I was 21 that I wanted. Yeah. But when I got there, it didn't feel anything like what I thought it would. It was kind of a, this, is this it moment for me. And the best way that I can describe it is probably I spent all these years doing everything that I was supposed to do, like cutting out all the negative people, hustling, uh, getting up earlier than everybody else, working harder than every, and again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with these things. I got rid of all the, the toxic people. I, uh, I played hard and I partied hard and all that kind of shit. And it was like, I'd climbed up a ladder that was full of blood, sweat, and tears. Sacrificed everything to climb up. I had to kick people off. It trampled over people to climb to the top. Sacrificed my mental health, my physical health. I'll sleep when I'm dead, all that kind of shit. And when I got to the top, I realized it was against the wrong building. And it wasn't that I didn't have everything I wanted. I had everything I wanted, except probably a sense of purpose anymore. There's two ways I could describe that really, is that I got to the top and it wasn't anything like what I thought it would be. It was against the wrong building. But also, too... I lost my sense of purpose. I had nothing to move forwards anymore. Like I'd made it. I was like, well, what's next? I became lost. I became stuck and I became overwhelmed. That's where I was. Yeah. And it was, uh, obviously it's been a, it's been a big rollercoaster since. And and it's weird. I look at that life now and I'm, I'm grateful that all that happened because I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. And I'm not, I don't want to blow my own trumpet here, but there would be thousands of people that might not be here anymore. Or hundreds of people maybe even less than that, but at least one person's not, at least one person is still alive because they've seen what I talk about. Yeah, at least one person I know for that. In fact, I can name 20 people who are just inside of my program now that say they wouldn't be here if they hadn't seen that video, if they hadn't read my book or if they hadn't heard what I'm talking about. So I'm grateful for that. But secondly, I look at this and I'm, I'm this has never crossed my mind much before, but I'm like, if I had that life now, I'd be okay. It's weird. If I still had four bedroom villa, private pool, just because my knowledge is in a completely different place now, I know that one of the things that I didn't have when I lived in Marbella was community. I didn't know anyone that was there. My peer group was non-existent. Non-existent. My peer group was non-existent. I wasn't working out. I hadn't found the type of exercise that I loved yet. And I, had, I wasn't connected to the future anymore. Um, I, I wasn't defined by a vision of my future. So it's weird. If I knew what I knew now, that life would be fine. Do you know what I mean? But at that time, I did the best I could with what I had and I'm a big believer in that. Like, do the best you can with what you know until you know better and then when you know better, do better. But the problem is with this is, it's one of the challenges of personal development. When you start learning stuff, you know better. So when you don't do things, you're like, fuck. I could have done better. So you start to beat yourself up. It's a, it's a very, it's a, it's a mad balance of, well, back then I was a bit ignorant. Now I know better, but I haven't done better.
0: So I'm going to beat myself up even more. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a strange balance that, yeah. Thinking about your you thinking, I call it. So let's, let's connect those two dots, right? Yeah. Because you touched on the cliff video yeah. there. Um, I think 9.6 million views when I checked last I'm night. One of them. Yeah, Okay. there's
1: a one that's got swearing on it.
0: Okay, okay. And a one that hasn't. <laughs> so I, I don't know which version yeah, it was. Yeah. But like big Facebook numbers, banned right? one for a bit. <sighs> Classic. Um, I would say, total about 48 million. And like thousands and thousands and thousands of comments, right? And yeah. so.
1: Some of them tell me to jump. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Crazy. Yeah. There's um the first line of it, though, because I think this is a, an interesting connection between the person you were and who you are today. And I want to kind of pull out that journey, what like the practical steps, right? So you say, I stood on the edge of that cliff thinking I've had enough of this shit. What's the point? But as you just touched on, you now help many, many people find that point. So I want to break this into two pieces. Firstly, in a very, very practical way, right? You just touched on some of the things you did. How do you get from being at the top of that cliff to being here today? Like what did you do to rebuild yourself? That's the last question so first up it, it
1: wasn't all smooth sailing like I still have periods now where I'm like ooh this is in fact just a couple of months ago I ended up going back to my coach I had a coaching I started with a coaching in 2019 she's a female she's 68 right and everyone's like what she's your coach and she retired even if a couple of months ago I went back to her I said I need some coaching she's one of the only people that'll hand us me arse she's one of the only people well, Paul what the fuck are you doing because yeah. I respect her so it hasn't always been smooth sailing there's always wobbles there's always challenges um, but back then, again, you touched on it there. What's the point? You've got to figure out the point. And the point that I figured out was life is about growth and contribution, right? So if you're not growing, you are quite literally dying. You're shrinking. And I'd shrunk. I'd shrunk down because I'd hit everything I thought I ever wanted. I stopped setting targets. I stopped seeking out discomfort. I ended up uncomfortable anyway. So one of the first things you've got to figure out is, okay, how do I grow? How do I grow? How can I seek out discomfort that inspires me? how can I seek out challenge that inspires me? Because one of the things that I got at this point, well, I thought that, well, I'm comfortable now. I'm comfortable now. And, and I've quickly realized, and especially in the last four or five years, maybe even less than that, that if you don't seek out discomfort that inspires you, challenge that inspires you, attract discomfort anyway. You attract challenge that deflates you and drains you and, 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 and crushes you. So that was, that's one part of it. I've got to, I had to seek out growth again. I had to start setting targets for myself again. I had to to set challenges that required me to become more than who I was. You have to set challenges that require you, that seem beyond your current level of ability. So you have to get better. So you have to grow. So I'd stop doing that. The second thing was contribution. Like I'd stop contributing to the world. I'd stop impacting, I'd stop serving people because the thing is, I hated myself so much that I just disconnected from everybody and I blamed them. Negative people this, toxic people, this, me, me, fucking hell. I hated people so much. I moved to a country where I didn't even know anyone. And then I was because cut negative people out, get rid of all the toxic people, and then I was left with just me. Yeah. And I realized that I was the common denominator. I hated my it wasn't people that I hated. It wasn't social things that I hated. It was me that I fucking hated. So I stopped contributing. I stopped serving people. I was, those two companies now looking at them. Suttlement company doesn't require me to be the face of it. It doesn't require me to do much. All I did inside of that company was do a bit of design work, a bit of copywriting and write some emails. I'd connect, I'd connect a few corporate accounts up and that would be it. My marketing company at the time was an old school paper newsletter, which I think actually there's still a big market for this. <laughs> I thought about going back to it. But all I had to do then was sit behind me laptop and write words didn't have to engage with people, didn't have to communicate with people, didn't have to meet people for coffee, didn't have to get on the stage, didn't have to do all those things. So actually I had switched off from the point of life, growth and contribution. I didn't have either. So with that being said, um, one of the first things I did was, and you got to consider at this point in my life, mate, so 2014, I moved home. Summer 2014, I moved home because I was diagnosed bipolar That didn't really treat it in Spain. My wife's got, think about this, my wife's got me, who would have meltdowns every other day, disappear for two and three days at a time, go on fucking sessions with people that I didn't even know. Didn't even know these people. I'd be on sessions with them for two days. I'm sure some of the fuckers didn't even speak English. Honestly, I was a nightmare. (laughs) And then she's got a newborn and a two-year-old. She's like, we need to get home, Paul. We need to get home. That's where some of the challenge got even worse though, because you think, oh, he's around his family and his friends and he's got this and he's got that. I didn't want to speak to them because they were negative.
0: Okay, yeah. All <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. But then I've got more connects for dealers. I've got more people that I can go out drinking with. So actually, shit got worse. Shit got worse for me then. And I suppose there was two things that I needed in that period, really. I needed to be walking the fuck up because, again, with mental health challenges... We always think that people need body coddled. They need to be told everything's okay. They need to be told they're amazing. They need to just talk. And I'm like, actually some people need to be woke the fuck up. I needed woken up from a fucking slump. I need to be woken up from the fucking days that I was in. I didn't need people to tell me that I was amazing. I already thought, I actually thought I was. Cause I was, you think about it, you're making all this, you're making more money than all your friends. Probably my peer group put together, I was making more money a month than them. Right? um, Working eight hours a week. I've had the, I'm, I've got this pool. Of, I'm the king of the dickheads, right? King of the shitheads. What are you going to tell me? <laughs> what are you going to tell me? I've made it, right? So I need to walk the fuck up. So two things happened. One is this day on the edge of the cliff. And I always get asked about this. Someone's like, well, why was your wife there? Did she follow you? I'm like, actually, she did follow me. She used to follow me almost every time I left the house. I'd slam the door and not come home for two days. I was volatile as fuck. She didn't know when I was going to come back. She followed me this day. I'm on the cliff. I'm ready to go. And she's like, think of the kids. And I'm like, I am. When you're that low, there's no logic, no logic whatsoever. And I'm full of emotion, full of dark emotion, pain, ready to end it all. I'm convinced no one would give a fuck if I killed myself. I'm convinced no one would give a fuck because I'm not communicating with people at all. I'm isolated. If if I'm communicating with people, I'm telling someone to fuck off on Facebook right, a fucking MySpace or whatever. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that long ago. But I'm telling people to piss off. Anyone that wants to argue with me, fucking come at me. It's my only way of getting attention. It was my only way of communicating. It was my only way of feeling significant, actually. Mm-hmm. So I, when all these people are talking shit about me on fucking forums and that, I feel sorry for them because that's their way of feeling significant. And I know that that's what I did. To feel significant, I pick fights with people on the internet because I didn't know how else to get love. I didn't know how else to get attention. I didn't know how else to feel anything actually because I was on meds at that time as well so I felt nothing I'd be snorting coke off my desk in the middle of the day while I was writing these newsletters I mean the writing was good but fuck me it wasn't good for my mental health yeah so where was I? I'm off on one now isn't I'm off on one <laughs> so I stopped contributing oh my wife this day should follow me um she let me think of the kids and I'd said I am be better off without me and then she said well okay and this was obviously she's I don't know where this came from but it saved at least my life, which I said, well, think about the kids growing up as those kids whose dad killed himself. And I was like, in that moment, it was like a, a flash just, well, I'm not willing for that. To, I'm not willing for that to happen. So that was a, that was a big wake up call. It wasn't the only one because there's a, there are many times when I've realized that and still got pissed and it's not a Coke. There are many times where I've done that and still gone on benders for weekends and weeks and all sorts of shit. But that was a big wake up call for me and that still sits with me now. That's still something that I live for. I'm like, I want to show my kids what's possible. My kids are always involved in my business. We'll do a podcast with them this week, a second podcast with them. They want to do it again. They're at all my shows. They've been to, fuck hell. they've met Gary Vee. They've been to Puerto Rico. They've met really cool people. They've met Tyson Fury. They're just involved in my life because I want them to, I want them to think that that's normal. Isn't that weird?
0: Well, I, you know what? I noticed that with your stories. Whenever you're talking, whenever you're doing something, yeah. unlike every other speaker ever yeah. who's just on their own in a hotel, yeah. you bring a family. I, I do. have always noticed I that. I do. They've met some cool people. I'm just like, I, I don't like
1: being away from them. The odd time I'll be like, fuck this, I'm going. Yeah. That's, why I, that's why I train jiu jitsu, I'm sure, for the peace and quiet. I get strangled just to get some peace and quiet. I take them everywhere. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want them to be around people doing big shit so that they think that big sh- they can do big shit as well. Because they're like, well, these are just normal people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like they yeah, think yeah. people like, obviously I'm, I'm big friends with James Smith and they know James really well. So they just think that what he's doing normal. Whereas some other people looking from the outside are, James is this, James is that, he's amazing, he's lucky, he's got this and that. They just think he's James and that what he does is normal. They think that speaking on the stage is normal. Can you say that? Yeah, yeah, They yeah. think that being around this environment is normal. Like that's giving me goosebumps that. Because they think it's normal, which is great. Like it's not that they will be. it's not even that they'll be really inspired by it because they're not.
0: They just think it's normal. And if they think it's normal, they'll think they can do it. It's the reverse of the classic conditioning. Though, right? I'm from a little small town. Yeah, you know, me too. I, I, I lived in this street, right? And no shit, I've never said this before because it's a fucking weird story to tell. Yeah. But I lived in this street and I would stand in my brother's bedroom when I must have been like seven or eight. Yeah. And I'd look, at, like, I'd look into the sky, watch a plane fly past, lived yeah. under a flight path. And I was like, how the fuck do you get on a plane? Like, I couldn't comprehend how you really? got on a plane, right? It's mad, isn't And it? my street was like, there was a club at the bottom. There was my best friend's house over there and their family there. Yeah. And because... Uh, nothing wrong with these people don't get me wrong i'm not shitting on them but because it was a very small town mentality i was conditioned even to this day right when it comes to things like spending money on the business or this or that like i'm trying to fucking break free of these chains that 10 15 20 years ago were put on me yeah doing the inverse with two kids who think that he's highly (laughs) successful that's incredible (laughs) hi the
1: thing that i mean fucking hell i've hung out with some mega cool people but they're just it's it's weird part of me is like is this going to make them entitled is this going to make them spoiled is this gonna make? Because they're already complaining when we don't go somewhere, and they're like, "Dad, why are we not business class?" <laughs> I'm like, well, because that's stupid, and I'll explain them why it's stupid to go business class when you're flying Emirates in the middle of the day. Yeah, it's a six-hour flight. Emirates standards class. Also, twenty grand's a lot of money, son. <laughs> You know what I, mean? Yeah. I mean, it's not that much actually. It's usually going to be about six, but I'm still six grand, made. I can either do that or we can do this instead. Yeah, yeah All yeah. right. So, but again, I want them to see what's possible so they think it's normal. Not even so that it inspires them. So they believe actually, well, if fucking hell, if James can do it, I can do it. If my dad, if, hell, if my dad can do that, I can definitely do that. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it's easy yeah. for them. Anyway, I've gone off tangent again. So what did I do practically then? And this is actually, I did a podcast with James Haskin and he was like, Paul, why does your stuff work so well? And I just said, cause it's practical. There's no theory here. There's no theorizing. There's no fucking stoicism. It's, it's either, either, either take a shit or get off the pot, do the yeah. work, do the work. So, I mean, that was a big journey in itself. The second thing, the second week, we'll call that I had was actually on Christmas day that year. So a week later, I'd actually been on the booze on Christmas Eve. And I remember this is embarrassing. I haven't really told this story before. I remember having to get my dad around to help me build a Thomas the Tank Engine train set because I was too pissed to do it. Embarrassing. That was a, that was a little bit of a, oh shit, this was a, I, f- I felt ashamed. My dad was looking at us as w- I'd been on a sniff as well. Christmas Eve, man. This is, th- this is where I've, I felt mega shame in that moment. I haven't talked about this before, actually. A lot of shame in that moment. But then the next day, and I have spoke about this, the Suicide Watch team are at my house because I'm still on Suicide Watch at this point and a lady called Donna, who I'm trying to get on my podcast, she keeps turning me down. Um, she came to my house, so there's only me in there, the suicide washing in my house, my wife and kids have had to go to my mother-in-law's because I'm so volatile. Excuse me. And Donna didn't even say anything, but she looked at me over the top of her glasses like, what the fuck are you doing? And that was another moment of, yeah, and this is what I needed. I didn't need a mollycoddle. I didn't need to be told all this shit. I needed to be fucking woken up, and that was another one. And then after that, um, I just ended up trying things and committing I suppose you could say actually and again I've never even thought about it this before I was looking for the magic bullet I was looking for the magic bullet like everyone does I tried the meds I tried all the other shit didn't work I mean the, the stabilised my mood for a little bit but I actually I ended up there was a particular med that I was on called lithium and lithium actually made me feel nothing that's why I'd been diagnosed bipolar I'd been suicidal I was on medication, yet I was still snorting coke off my desk. For one reason and one reason only, I couldn't feel anything. My emotions just fucking shut off. I was walking around like a zombie, aimless, rudderless, purposeless still. Um, And then I suppose looking for the magic bullet, what that enabled me to do, the blessing of looking for the magic bullet is that I got to try loads of things and see what I like doing, what I didn't like doing, what I valued, what I didn't value, what I motivated, what worked for me, what didn't work for me. and then. Uh, yeah, so many things since then. I mean, I discovered meditation. I discovered Byron Katie's work. I discovered I did. I, I ended up back on the fucking Tony Robbins bandwagon. And then since then, I've obviously I was in Wake Up Warrior for a bit. Done so many different things since then, and just all of them that have worked for me have all been practical things. All been practical things. Um. So yeah, it's quite. The, it's been quite the journey. Yeah. And even now, do you know? You know. You know What, what I'd love to put in here. Most of the things that I do now at some point in my life, I have mocked. Yeah. Whether that's meditation, <laughs> especially the style I'm doing now, this Joe Dispenza shit, it's full straight up hippie
0: level. It's straight up mad level. Um, Talk to me about that just briefly because I've, um, a friend of mine is at an event of his yesterday, today, I'm not sure you... Oh, he's on the right. week long. Uh, he must be there. Oh, mate, he right he's never going to be the same again. But I've seen you hype about that so much. I, I know mate, nothing be, about this. Your mate,
1: me. your mate, you're not going to recognize him when they come back because... It's fucking different level. So Joe Dispenza is a guy that is a quantum physicist and he's into all this science stuff. And he's actually started off as a chiropractor and his journey's amazing. In fact, there's a series of his called Gaia, on Gaia, sorry, which is six quid a month on Amazon, uh, on Prime Video. And it's called Becoming Supernatural. No, Rewired, it's called. It's Incredible. And I'd heard about him in 2018 He has a mad pod. Someone told me about it. And I was like, that's fucking bullshit. Quantum field, (laughs) fuck off, man. Um, I wouldn't have it. I was just like, nah, it's not for me. Not for me, hippie bullshit. And it's funny because at the time, I was actually meditating. I was into the transcendental stuff. I was into the ascension stuff. Um, I'd done a bunch of different courses and I was into meditation. But this thing, quantum physics and the field and that, I was like, eh, it's not for me. And then I heard a couple of podcasts and I was like, oh, actually, this guy's a fucking real deal. It sounds, he, he was just... I'd seen a few of his videos and I tried to read a few of his books and they were very hard going. And I was like, I can't relate to this at all. But then on a podcast, because it was human to human and it wasn't him teaching. Yeah. It I got it in a very different way. I was like, Oh, actually this is very practical. And then in January this year, I got a course of his. In fact, no, last year I worked with a different coach, uh, Peter and Peter said, you got to check out Joe Dispenza's work. And I was like, mm, I've tried. It's not for me. And then in January, I was like, fuck it, I'm going to go on and dispense that shit. So I bought a 12-week course of his, right? And I don't do very well. It's mad this, considering most of my work's online. I don't do very well with online learning. I just get to... I've actually been diagnosed ADD, but I just don't buy into that at all. Same with Bible. I have, just haven't bought into it. This is why I've been able to get a handle on it. So I don't do very well with online courses. Too many distractions, too many notifications. I can fuck around on me. There's too much going on. I like to immerse myself. So I bought this course... It's called the formula. And I said, I'm going to do a module a week for the quarter. So we set, it's one of the, and again, another one of the most practical things I can give someone is you have to be moving towards something. You have to have, you have to be defined by a vision of your future. You have to have things that you're aiming for. Otherwise, if you're not focused on the future, you're on the past without a shot of a doubt. If you're not defined by a vision of your future, you're left with the memories of the past. That's the source of most people's depression. They're focused on the past and they haven't got anything to move towards. So all they're focused on is what they don't want because they're not, they haven't got an idea about what they, I mean, to do, but they're not going after what they do want. They've given up on it. So I bought the formula and I said to myself, every Sunday, my study time, my, uh, my study time, my planning for the week time, my reviewing last week time, I'm going to do one of these sessions. Mate, I finished the 12 week course in six days. I couldn't get enough of it because it was practical. 20 minutes of teaching, ideal for someone like me with a 20 minute meditation on the end. After that, uh, I started hitting the meditations of his every day. Some of them are an hour long, which is mad. Um, and then I enrolled on his, uh, we, I consumed every podcast he's ever done. And again, I'm not a big consumer. This is the thing. I get asked all the time on Instagram, who what podcast are you listening to? I'm like, none really. <laughs> I'm just, I'm a creator. Do you know what I mean? I'm a creator. I spend more time creating than I do consuming. So I did this week long thing. Here's the maddest part about this week long thing. It sold out in 24 hours. Less than, I think it was six hours. Two of my friends didn't get to go because he just sold that. was three grand a ticket. 2,700 people at the event. Three grand a ticket. Mad. And just that whole week was just trans. There were some things where I couldn't get on board with. There's some bits where I was like, that's a bit much for me. But I'm, the thing where I'm at in my life right now, I'm very open minded. I'm willing to be wrong. Like I said, everything that I do now, I've mocked. I'm willing to be wrong, which is quite a nice, It's quite a nice space to get into because I don't have to prove myself right all the time. That's exhausting. So I did this week long and it blew my head off so much so that I met a lady there. She said, Paul, we'd like to invite you to this. Uh, we have this other educational thing. We'd love to have you there for two days. Um, and she's actually coming to speak at one of my events in December. Joe Dispenza's head trainer. Um, and yeah, mate, it was just, there were so many things about that were transformative for me. So many things about changing your thinking and, and, and becoming conscious of your unconscious thoughts, becoming conscious of your unconscious feelings. And it, just, it was, like I say, it's been transformative for me. Yeah, incredible. So there's meditation that I've mocked. There's Joe Dispenza meditation that I've mocked. There is, he calls it mental rehearsal, which I quite like. A lot of people call it visualization. It's, it's kind of similar. I've mocked cold showers. I've mocked yoga. I've mocked breathing exercises. I've definitely mocked journaling, which is one of my number one things right now. Uh, I am so on top it, of journaling. It's, it's one of my number one things. I've mocked that. I've I've probably mocked jujitsu, which is one of my very highest values, right? I never need motivated to do that. Um, The the many things that I do now, I've mocked at some point.
0: Do you think you mocked them because, so I I look at, there are people from, like, you know, people you go to school with and then you become the guy on the internet who makes fucking content and you're just like, you get shit thrown at you, right? But I'm very open on the internet about the stuff I'm trying to try and improve myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I find the people who mock this stuff they, they almost see it cynically because they understand that to pursue those paths would be to seek discomfort. Does that make sense? Were you, were you mocking it because you bit. knew somewhere deep down maybe this a is A little bit.
1: I mean. A little bit. It looked too hard. But I think really because I didn't understand them. Mm. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah I, yeah. I didn't understand them. I didn't understand
1: we tend to mock things that we don't understand or mock things that we don't think we can do. I don't think I could do that. Like I've mocked in the past fucking hell. There's a, there's a, there's a thing that I learned on the dispenser a week long and I practiced in the dispenser a week long where he's like, what's on the other side of that belief? Just said this thing. He's like, what's on the other side of your belief? And he did that because mate, one day we did a four hour meditation. I didn't know it was going to be four hours. I thought it was two. And I was like, so you have eye masks on? I was like, I really want to lift my eye mask up. And I just kept asking myself, what's on the other side of this belief? What's in the next thing? I know I've done a four hour, 17 minute meditation, right? Even all of the weird things that I couldn't get on board with that I was very skeptical of. I was like, what's on the other side of this belief? So there's that that happened in that meditation. I've been able to transform from fucking hell, 15 minutes feeling hard and impossible to one hour being no problem. All on the other side of, what's on the other side of that belief? There's another thing. So that week I was meant to have a jiu-jitsu comp. I was three kilos overweight going into that week. And when I got there, we were told the timetable and I was like, shit, I'm not going to be able to train man. I'm here. Can't train. A week before a jiu-jitsu comp, I can't train. Um, so I was like, "Shit, what am I going to do here? My nutrition's all here. What am I going? I can't even get my steps in." So I was like, for, "Me mate, was like, why don't you try fast?" And I was like, "Nah, I can't do that. I'll get hungry. I'll get this." Next thing I know, I've lost three kilos by the end of the week. Mad part is I didn't compete because they moved my weight division up by seven kilos. Like, oh, there's no one in your weight division and your age division, so we've moved you up seven kilos and down two age divisions. So I didn't end up competing, but I was like. I, I would never have thought that I could fast until the evening. But I just asked myself what's on the other side of this belief. And I suppose that I, I've probably been asking myself that for a long time. And it's quite a, people will call it a growth mindset. I'm just like, it's flexible. I have a flexible mindset about things. I'm willing to be wrong. um, Which has stood me in good stead. I suppose we could say the same thing about TikTok. Oh, TikTok's not for me. Uh, TikTok's for seven-year-olds that dance. Your daughter's even now, dad dances not even a thing on TikTok anymore, man. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. It's a mad thing. Willing to be wrong and not having to be right all the time is very, it's probably time-saving and it's definitely energy-saving.
0: Yeah. Something else you're flexible on is uh, you, you haven't drank this year, right? Oh. You know, I've spent the longest time in this, but I haven't drank in almost five years now. Yeah. Oh, shit. Woke up one day, Fair play, man. Uh, New Year's Day twenty. 18. You see that with a lot of people, it's a New Year's Day. And you know what, it, it was going to be A lot like, of people, it's that Christmas period. It fucking ruined People go ruin to their fucking ends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I woke up that day, it was going to be like a month and then it was going to be 100 days and then it was going to be a year yeah. and now, don't get me wrong, I will have an arbitrary drink at some point yeah. just so there's not the pressure of the many years but- I bang on constantly on here about the benefits of it, right? Like it's unbelievable how a, even a hundred day stint of sobriety can just change your focus, energy, yeah. mind. I can't think stuff. of a single downside. Well, exactly. I was going to say, so, so given that I hype about it, but it's normally just me hyping about yeah. it, help me out here. What, what have you learned this year so far? You're so, almost a year in. First
1: off, it's a, it's a strange one because even my wife questioned why I was doing it. You'd think people would be like, oh yeah, I see why you're doing it. But no one got why I was doing it because I only drank, I would say maximum six times, once a quarter, end of the 90 days. I bet, yeah, I'm a, I've done the 90 days. I've fucking crushed it. I'm going to celebrate with a few beers, a few fucking gins, maybe a few fucking espresso martinis, maybe a few. What did I get into last year? Cafe Patron, I got into last year. i never had it before last year. got into Cafe Patron. I got into fucking tequila rose. got into all those nice little things, right? And, uh... It's mad because around October last year, there's discontinued Cafe Patron. Okay. So I bought loads. So I've now got a garage full of Cafe Patron. Funny enough, I sent one to Russell Kane last week. But anyway, the, the, I only drank five or six times a year. But I'm on this trip back from Dubai. We, we did a last minute trip to Dubai in, on Boxing Day last year. Yeah. And I'm on this trip back. And I remember the 23rd of December that year, I was meant to go out with Mac. And his friends, like, the fucking 22, right? I'm 42. But 2019, I met Mac for a pint. I ended up having a great night out with him at, like, 2 in the morning. I got thrown out of a club, et cetera, et cetera. Had a great night. I was like, we didn't do it in 2020, 2020 obviously. So last year, I was like, Mac, I'll meet you for a few drinks. I had a few cans at home, and I didn't make it out because I was too fucked. Was like, oh, Matt, I'm not going to make it out. I'm too pissed and tired. So that was a bit of a, ooh, maybe this isn't for me anymore. And then we're coming back. I think it would have been about the 3rd of January, I think, we came back from Dubai and. I'd spent that time setting my goals for the year, planning out the year, mapping out the year and I just said to my wife, I'm not going to drink this year. She was like, what for? I was like, I just want to see if I can do it. But then when I look at it, I'm like, actually, if I look at, and I think this is the thing, most people can't do it because they don't have anything else they get excited about. So I had a bunch of other things that I was excited about, goals. So my goal wasn't really about the boozing. It was about all the other stuff and boozing would stop me from doing that. Yeah. So, the two things that slow me down is never really mindset for me. It's never really a and belief. It's never really a, uh, a fear. Or I'm not saying that I don't get scared. I doubt myself, but I can get over those things. I can handle those things. It's not that I think too small. It's none of that stuff. Energy and sickness are the two things that slow me down the most. And I couldn't think of anything that contributes more than boozing. So it became a very big, and again, what I've been able to do is n- make it about not, <laughs> it's not about not boozing. It's about the other shit. Yeah. So not boozing is just a. It's like saying, I want to get in shape. Well, you have to exercise then. I want to hit these goals. Well, you have to give up the booze then. Do you know what I mean? That's, yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's the reality of it. Um, but it's been a very interesting journey for me. There, there were a few things that I figured out. Early on, it was fine because it was winter. I was working. About, I'd set these big goals for the first quarter. I had lots going on. I had I, I did a jujitsu come end of January, so that was fairly easy. And then the hardest it's been, and I've been to everything this year, I haven't skipped a party. I haven't skipped, there's probably a couple of socials that I've skipped, but not because I didn't want to drink, just because I didn't want to go. But then I've been, uh, fucking hell, I've had, a, I've had a London show, sold out London show with an after party, my after party, that I didn't drink at. Yeah. Um, I've had Wembley, where I've seen my team win for the first time ever after, this is the sixth attempt, so this is a big deal, this for a Sunland fan, season ticket holder, I go to loads of away games as well, in fact, away games are pretty hard, matches hard, um, what else have I had, I've had IFS, which was all free booze for the whole weekend for me, um, the hardest time, for I me mean not to drink one. none of those social events, one time at IFS, where I realised this big thing, I only want to drink when I already feel like shit, which is a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it, if I feel good, I don't want to drink, but I've actually created a life and created a year this year and had so many plans and done so much cool shit, fun shit that alcohol just can't fit in anymore. There's nowhere for it to go. So it's made it easy. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, well, I've got this going on. So of course I'm not going to drink. No, I'm going there with the kids. I'm taking the kids here. I'm doing that thing. I've got that tournament coming up. I've got this comp coming up. I'm speaking here. I'm traveling there. Oh, well, I'm eating at this Michelin star restaurant at the weekend. Why would I drink? There, it's just, it just, there's no room for it now. And my life, I've set my life up and created a life that I find so exciting and exhilarating and electric that getting pissed would be a downgrade in terms of excitement. Do you know what I mean? Someone said, does it not get boring like sitting in a pub and not drinking? And like sitting in a pub full stop and drinking is my idea of boredom. (laughs) That's boring for me. Um, It is now anyway. Before it wouldn't have been, it would have been the highlight of my week but now i just created a life where there's always highlights and this would be a low light for me. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So it's, it's, the, the it's true in reverse as well, how it's cyclical, right? So for example, I mean, let's, let's break the four, four, even sat here, right? When I drank, I had no fucking confidence because I knew that I could go and buy confidence. So I was a fucking shell of a person, right? I would not be sat here with you because it would scare the shit out of me yeah. because like sitting and talking and looking at someone's eye, that shit's scary, yeah. right? Um, but, not drinking forces me to become the kind of person who can do something like this. The same with to your exact point, actually yeah. having things that excite you, not only is helped by not drinking, mm-hmm. but when you can't have that thing at the weekend that you know is the big highlight, you have to build into your life things that excite you. Yeah. and I think that's that what it's you only have to when do. You that most
1: people aren't willing to do. Yeah. But I've got nothing else to look forward to. Well, create it then. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stop, stop waiting for someone else to create something for you to look forward to. Just create it. I mean, fucking hell. I get my kids even want to know, Dad, what we doing this weekend. They get excited. Yeah. They'll not be excited about this weekend because me and my wife are going to a Michelin star restaurant and they're not invited. <laughs> <laughs> so they'll be spewing that. They're not invited to <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a it's been a, it, again, those are t- two of the biggest insights for me. I only want to drink when I already feel shit. And two, if my life's exciting, there's no room for booze. Yeah. And having an exciting life is a fucking decision. It's a choice. None of this has to cost money. It None of it has to cost money. You can do cool shit. Fucking hell, we went to see I went to Birmingham. I was speaking at an event in Birmingham on Saturday. Part of the condition of me speaking there, but I, that the only reason that because I, I, I don't particularly like speaking on a weekend. If I can take my family there, cool. So the condition of speaking at this event was Sunderland were playing Birmingham on the Saturday so I was like can you get me on in the morning I'll come and speak get me on in the morning I'll bring my kids then we'll go to the match after but they moved the match to the Friday which actually were even better we had an amazing time on the match on Friday Ex- something exciting to look forward to I was excited about the speak, and then we went to see uh, we went to a, this steak restaurant called Ekti Mehmet which is amazing like the the, the basically it's all fire and the, it's like it's like basically having a meal in a nightclub it's class my kids absolutely love it there so we went there and then we ended up staying an extra night because the kids want to see Black Panther um, and this Black Panther, we spent nineteen quid on tickets. And I'm like, we had a, looking at my kids laughing at these. I was just like that. I was like, this is fucking cool. Twenty quid, yeah, twenty quid. It doesn't have to cost loads of money to have an exciting life. You wouldn't think twice about going to the bar, and if you're in fucking London, you're getting two pints for twenty quid. You know what I mean? You wouldn't think twice about that. But I can create that memory. Remember, when I want to see Black Panther, and someone brought a baby in the theater there's loads of things that happened it was the most badly behaved theatre I've ever been in people were loads of people were vaping there was, there was fucking teenagers talking and throwing shit at each other there was someone Max was like there was four babies in there who takes a baby but that's funny because we'll remember that at Christmas be like when we look back at the year because we like to do that remember that time we went to that cinema and everyone in it was a dick but we enjoyed the film anyway that was 20 quid for that experience yeah, yeah. so that was that was another example of something that's exciting that doesn't cost money Well, 20 quid's nothing. No, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, that's what I mean by creating a life that doesn't have room for boozing.
0: So something else that actually I was watching this last night, I was watching your conversation with Darren and correct me if I'm wrong because I didn't finish it, but it was your conversation with Darren that caused all the internet beef about anxiety, wasn't it?
1: (laughs) No, it was what he said that caused all the beef. It wasn't me. However- He said something and I didn't didn't go in and disagree with him. Mm. So everyone thought I was agreeing with it. Okay. I'm like, mate, when you get invited on someone's podcast-
0: you don't get into a fucking argument. It's just not. It's just not something I'm gonna do. But your your piece on anxiety, which I believe, that, tell me if I'm misattributing here, because I didn't watch that conversation, is essentially that it's very difficult to feel anxious and to be taking action at the same time. Yeah, you right? can't have two. You can't have two thoughts at the same time. So talk to me about how you realize that because this yeah. is something that way prior to your content. I've yeah. I'm fortunate. I've never had what I'd call anxiety, yeah. right? But I've had the shit feelings of feeling anxious, feeling stressed, of feeling nervous, mm-hmm. and I realize that the but answer so you have had- is.
1: That's all that anxiety is. is it's a state. It's not a disease. Well, I wouldn't, okay. I, it's I, not
0: a contagious disease. It's created. Then Some I have Some people are more anxious. susceptible than others, but it's not, there's, there's no evidence of it being caught or being contagious. So I've realized then, using that, that definition, yeah. that when anxious, the only way for me to get out of it is to do, right? As difficult as it is. Or to just shift what you're focused on.
1: You get what you're focused on. So if my attention is on something that creates the feeling of anxiety for me or the state of anxiety or the emotion of anxiety, then that's what I'm going to get. Where I place my attention is where I place my energy. So if I want to shift my feelings of anxiety, I can legit, one of the hardest ways to do it is I can just think about something else. Now that takes training though. So I first figured this out. There's two two reasons I heard it out. There's one reason, one reason that shifted for me, and this is a long time ago. It was in one of Robbins' first books. That's how long ago it was. It was either in I think it's like Awake and the Giant Within or Unleash the Power or something. It's something cheesy like that, right? And he said anxiety and depression are not not caught, they're created. And I was like, that was a I was a bit triggered by it actually. But then I went to, I went to Delvin and then I worked with Byron Katie for a little bit. But then it was this guy. It, what triggered it was in 2016. I was, a, uh, and again, this is from my live show. I was an usher at my friend's wedding. He's from New York, upstate New York. And I flew out there. And on the way there, I had a fucking meltdown. A meltdown. I had to get sedated on the flight. And I was so sedated that actually I was in the, the gate for the connecting flight to Syracuse from Chicago. I was in the gate and I missed the flight. I was two hours early for the flight. Missed it because I was so fucked up. And I was like, I'm going to have to do something about this. So I booked on this retreat with a guy called Charles Linden. And I sat down I had a one-to-one with him. It was an expensive retreat, amazing guy. I sat down, I had a one-to-one with him. And I said, listen, I don't, I don't suffer from anxiety. He's like, why are you here? I said, I have panic attacks. He's like, well, yeah, that's just your anxiety presenting itself. So I was like, okay. He taught me this thing called the art of diversion, which is essentially just shifting what you're focused on. Shifting your mind. People would call it distraction. People go, oh, well, that's not a solution. I'm like, well, it's better than feeling anxious though, isn't it? Well, that's not addressing the root cause. I'm like, yeah, but it's better than being anxious, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Easier to do it's that It's like saying right drinking right alcohol-free beer isn't addressing the root cause of drinking beer. I'm like, yeah, but it is. <laughs> but it is. It shifts you from boozing, so it works, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so this is the art of diversion and this is just the concept of I can't have two thoughts at the same time. I can only have one. Now it takes training to do this. Again, I solved this and I fixed it by when I go on a flight now or when I'm in a situation that makes me anxious, I can just shift my mindset. But when I go on a flight, I just have things to do. I can't, and this is where it presents itself the most is on a flight. Can't get off it. Heart, it goes through the roof, fucking hell. I've told my mother-in-law to fuck off because she tried to give me a digestive once. Fu- I'm not having the fucking panic. And do you know why? Because I had nothing to do. Nothing to do on the flight. Except think about what? feeling anxious and that I'm stuck and that I can't get off and it's another three hours and what if this happens and what if that happens? What do I do? Just fucking sit in there. Some people can just sit there. But what he also taught me is that people with a creative intellect tend to suffer more anxiety than others, right? Because we're problem solvers. Your brain's a problem solving machine. So if you have a creative intellect, your brain's very good at solving problems. So if you don't give it problems to solve, guess what? Fucking makes them up. Makes them up. It invents them. It creates them. That's what anxiety is. So... I'll have things like fucking hell on a flight. I'll, I'll download TV shows. I'll download movies. I'll have football manager on my iPad. Yeah. I'll have books. I'll have magazines. I'll have work to do. All sorts to do because I cannot manage Sunderland, a football manager, to win in the playoff final and be anxious at the same time. I can't. It's impossible to feel two emotions at once. It's impossible to have two thoughts at the same time. So that's my whole take on anxiety. Now that's panic. Now that's panic attacks. What I've also found with people who, who create a lot of anxiety is actually they tend to not have loads going on in their life because they, they, who did I learn this from? Dispenza talks about this a lot as well, but I learned it from Charles back in the day. As we tend to get a little bit older, our focus becomes a little bit more narrow all of the things that we used to do, the social circles that we used to have, the things that we used to be trying to achieve, we'd be trying to achieve these exam results, we'd be trying to achieve in this, we'd be trying to get our social status on point. We'd just be doing loads of shit. And as we get older, it gets, just get, tends to get narrowed. So we, env- we end up, again, inventing more problems that don't exist. Many people that I speak to, I'm like, well, what are you working towards right now? Well, trying to get over my anxiety. No, like, what else are you doing? Nothing. And this sounds harsh, and this is probably why I get so much shit. It's like, actually, you're bored quite a lot of the time. You're bored. You, your mind has to solve problems, so give it something that you give a fuck about. Otherwise, it'll find them, that problems that don't even exist. You're making them up. That's, for me, anxiety, because anxiety is a state. And a state is physiology. That's why you get all the physical feelings, right? Many people don't. T- I started taking care of me health. Guess what? Anxiety started to go a little bit. Think about this. You experience anxiety through your body. And you're spending the whole weekend on the drink and on the bag. And you're wondering why you're anxious on Monday. Come on. You're experiencing it through your body. So fucking support your body. Nourish your body. And I'm not saying be, you don't need to be teetotal or a monk. Just treat your body better. Support it. Nourish it. If that's where you experience feelings. Because you do. Emotions and feelings are the fucking language of the body. So treat it better. And then the, of so physiology and then the second part is focus or attention. Where you place your attention is where you place your energy. So you work on where you place your attention. Suddenly, again, you're able to shift your, your thought pattern from things that create anxiety for you to things that create other feelings for you. It's, it's, not, it's not easy because you've got so many habitual patterns that are quite hard to break. Listen, old habits die a slow death. The dire slow death. So it's going to take work that most people aren't willing to put in because it's easier to take a pill, right? Easier to take a pill. So it's going to take work, but that doesn't mean it's not simple. It's not complex,
0: but it's hard. When you had that unlock, because I I feel like I had this unlock maybe in the last 18 months, so quite recent, right? And I hadn't heard, um, what was it you said? The Art of... Diversion. That's it. The Art of Diversion. I haven't heard that before. Yeah. Um, But when you, when you had the unlock, did it feel too easy? Does yes. that make sense? Because I am um, like very recently, right? I was going through this little fucking situation. The thing is, thing. if you think it's too easy, it means you're thinking about it, which means the thing that you're trying to hold your attention, you don't value it highly enough. But I don't even mean it in a negative yeah. way. Yeah. I mean more. So like this this thing recently had this little situation shit thing. Oh and my God, like that's this that's too simple. And it's I'm like, simple. and it worked. And yes. I'm like, holy fuck! I've lived my whole life where I'd get into these little like I wouldn't even say a right. It's not that mm-hmm. deep, but I'd get into this rut, and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck to do. So this time around, I thought right, I can see what's going to happen here. I can see what's happening. Um, so I, I live my life by this little habit tracking spreadsheet mm-hmm. I just doubled down on it I made like the habits ridiculous yeah. called it monk mode flew yeah. through it I got like 20 days into it and I'm like I have felt incredible that mm-hmm. thing that would have drawn all my attention away because I didn't give it the attention yeah. and I'm like fuck I wish I knew it was this easy yeah. for the last 26 That's years a,
1: but it wasn't that easy it was simple no. yeah, it was yeah, simple yeah, you just had to do something
0: yeah yeah. yeah, yeah it's mad yeah, yeah. you
1: think about this right people think a calorie deficit is too simple but it works time and time again time and time again surely it can't be that simple what about me hormones what about my thyroid? What about my injury? I mean, the, the, there are obviously awesome cases where it's a bit more complex than that. And there are obviously awesome cases with this where it's a little bit more complex than that. But just because something simple doesn't mean it's, it doesn't work.
0: Do you know what I mean? Do the people in your programs? Not that I've been in one of your programs, so I'm filling in gaps. Not yet. yet. For what it's about? Not yet. Not yet. We'll get there. You have a
1: 16-digit number on your car, by the end of it.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> we, Incredible. <laughs> we. Um, do Do you think that we look for more complex problems, and therefore, when people are in your programs- it's,
1: it's easier not to do the work when it's complex.
0: But so that this is the thing. It's right? easier what to justify
1: not doing the work when exactly. it's complex. Oh, it's too complicated. Oh, it's too. It's not complex. It's simple it's simple but we can't justify why it's harder to justify not doing it when it's simple way
0: harder to justify it do you have people who go through your programs and yes. then they're like i wish i knew it was that less we have people
1: like, we have people that come join a program and don't even fucking start because they think it's too simple That's surely funny. it can't be as simple as that yeah we are this the, the, the biggest challenge we have inside of the program right now is just people not completing the journal and i'm like here's the thing with the journal what else were you doing mm. when you didn't complete your journal this morning what else were you doing that the, question, the only question is this. You are either looking at your phone or filling in your journal. You're not doing anything else. Trust me. You've either spent 15 minutes looking at somebody else's past because that's what you're looking at on social media and emails. Even an email is from somebody else's past or you're focused on your future. That's the fucking bottom line. If you are getting laid or getting your dick sucked or getting whatever, right, whatever women get, <laughs> I've never been a woman, so if you're getting fingered, I can't believe I just said that, right? I'm not going to give you shit for not filling your journal, because I wouldn't fill in my journal if I was getting blown off either.
0: <laughs> we have taken a turn here, we have taken a turn. But
1: let's face it, you're looking at your fucking phone. You are sedating and self-soothing by looking at somebody else's past versus looking at your future. So and that's when it gets as simple as that people haven't got a fucking leg to stand on mm. they haven't got a leg to stand on they have, there's nothing to justify other than oh yeah Paul you hang on and that's that you're right though mate when it's complex it's easy to make an excuse when it's complex it's easy to justify when it's simple ooh now what story do I tell there what story have I got that justifies why I haven't done that that's so simple yeah yeah but then you get people who you're right who do do something, and I'm like, they're like, Paul, this is life changing. I'm like, I fucking told you, you're not telling me something that I don't know, mate.
0: <laughs> so yeah. I, I'm new into this journaling thing. Um, yeah. I've heard everyone on the internet be like, do this, do this. Yeah, and I'm, like, I'm like, what the fuck's that going to do? Yeah, because it sounds like fucking
1: diar diary, do
0: it? Literally, right? Yeah. I'm I'm what thirty two days in, so I'm new to this. Right, yeah. I was saying this in the podcast last week. I can't even yet condone it to others because I haven't got that data yet. Yeah. However. Just so I do three things, right? I sit there at the end of the night, day one app. I literally just write about the day, whatever comes out, no template, just free for. Um, I do the the whole gratitude journaling thing, which I've done for a few years. I find that powerful, mm-hmm. and then I try and document something I've learned each day, almost just to hold myself accountable to not be just fucking stuck in the mud. Mm-hmm. The thing that journaling has blown my mind with is when you spend those 10, 15 minutes to have... And sure, I'm talking about my past here, not my future, but I think they feed in... in oh, I do context.
1: that as well. I do that as well.
0: The narrative... How do you know you're making progress if you don't track it? Truth. How do you know you're winning the game if you don't keep score? Keeping that narrative of your life, that that coherent narrative mm-hmm. where... Because, I mean, what were you doing 42 days ago? You don't know, right? But if you, for the last 42 days, have had a I wasn't day drinking. by day... I wasn't drinking. There we go. That's yeah. what you were Neither were <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just interesting that, yeah. like... It, I am the same. I, I look at these things and I'm like, it's too simple. I'm not yeah, going to do it. Yeah. Like, and then I realize answer I'm full these, of shit I'm, Answer
1: these it. 12 questions. Get clear on what your priorities for the day. Every morning, do that. Who am I going to impact today? How do I want to feel today? So get obsessed with how we don't want to feel. Um, who do I need to follow up with and get a deal done with today? Um, who am I going to send a gift or a sign of appreciation to today? What's one thing I can do today that will drive me closer towards my future? And then I think the last question is uh, if I get a drop in energy today, what am I going to do to raise it? That's it. and then, what are the goals I'm working towards right now? Because what people tend to do with goals is, what if you don't have goals, what the fuck are you doing? Going around in circles. But what people tend to do with goals is, they'll set them and then forget them. Set and forget. So I, I class that as, all They'll just remind themselves every, that for the first few weeks, it's fine, and then they just drift off. I'm like, what if it was just a case of, imagine you got in a car, set your Google Maps, and then turned your phone off. Here's where I want to go, and then turned your phone off. So what we're doing every morning and every night is we're just checking in. We're looking at the sat-nav. Are we on track? Have I missed the turn-off? Where am I I going tomorrow? Et cetera, et cetera. End of every day, we're asking shit like, who did I have a positive impact on today? What's one thing I learned? What's one thing I got done that moved me closer to my goals? What are three wins that I had? How do I want to feel when I wake up tomorrow? Simple, prompted journaling. There's no excuse. You don't have to freestyle it if you don't want to because not everyone's creative. Not everyone's a writer like that. And I just answer these questions. You're coaching yourself. That's what you're doing. You're coaching yourself. What's one moment I was most grateful for today? Like co- what, actually, one question I love, which is, what's one thing I could have handled better today? A little bit better today, and how will I handle it better next time? Nice. Yeah. Like, That's just, that's actually measuring forwards usefully or aiming forwards. What's the word I'm going to look for? Not usefully. Appropriately. Because y- you think about this, most people's anxiety, fear, nerves, dread is they aim forwards Unappropriately, inappropriately, aiming forwards unskillfully. That's what it is. They're aiming forwards unskillfully. Journaling in the morning is aiming forwards skillfully because you're focused on what you want, not on what you don't want. And then at the end of the day, we're measuring backwards or looking backwards skillfully because we're looking at what went well. We're looking at protecting our confidence rather than why did they do that. All that kind of shit. What did I not? There's one thing in there which is just learning. But what did I not get done today? That's all. I mean, it's not a bad question, but most people measure forwards unskill or aim forwards unskillfully and look backwards unskillfully as well. Therefore, they get unpleasant emotions or disempowering emotions. So we're doing the same thing. We're just doing it skillfully.
0: Yeah. So I want to finish by asking you two questions I've asked you in the past. Okay. So, and you called them both bangers on uh, Instagram Live. You said yeah. they're good questions. I'm like, my God. Yeah, let's go. Um, so, the first, just before I think your book came out, yeah. I asked you um, what is one thing you've learned in the very short period of time at that point since the book was published that you wish you had included. Um, the book's been out a while now. What's one thing you've learned that you wish was still in there?
1: This concept of uh, being defined by a vision of your future. Um, Focusing on new versus old. But again, if I'm not focused on the future, I'm going to be focused on my past and I'm going to become predictable. That's one thing that I wish was in. Um, The other thing that I wish was in would probably be something along the lines of (coughs) your person, this is what I've learned from Nespensa, your personal reality or your life is a result of your personality. Your personality, your identity, what people call it, is just made up of how you think, how you feel and how you act. And the great thing about those is they can change.
0: That can all change. It just takes work. Um, So those two things. And then the second question I need to read for this because your answer was extensive. Was it? Um, So at the end of 2021, it must've been around Christmas time. I asked you what the free lessons that 2021 had taught you. Oh shit. And uh, very prepared. I put this in my notes like a year ago. Was it who not how? Uh, It was focus on what you can do, not what you can't do. Yeah, that's because
1: I'd been, that. I'll tell you exactly why I said that. Focus on what you can
0: do and not what you can't
1: do is because that year I'd had a month off work in one go because I got diagnosed with long COVID. Now I'm not, Buying into that, it's probably more an adverse reaction to a vaccine. We'll leave that out if we want. Um, but I'd had four weeks off work, and I'd never had four weeks off work really before in a row. So in that period, when you're running a business like mine, five staff, fucking classroom upstairs, a lot of clients. It's a challenging thing. That especially when you're a goer and a doer like me, I like to be busy. I like to be doing things. I'm a, I'm a doer. So not being able to do that was extremely mentally challenging for me because I was physically fucked. So in that period, one of the questions I'd ask myself is, okay, well, I can focus on what I can't do because I haven't got the energy or because I'm sick or I can focus on what I can do. So in that period of four weeks, I actually got to focus on loads of things that I wouldn't normally get the chance to focus on. I could double down on meditation. I learned loads. I caught up on TV shows. I spoke to people that I hadn't spoken to for ages because I couldn't do much else. I got I healed from a few injuries that I had. My pec injury got better. Um, so yeah, that was a huge insight for me that what can I do versus what I can't do. What have I now got the opportunity to do that I didn't... Had to use that last week. But that I, I had a st- I've had got a staph infection in my elbow. Oh yeah. yeah so I was yeah. in bed for four days last week with this temperature and this fucking... <laughs> elephantitis and I could argue with it and beat myself up and say I've got too much on and I'm too busy and when am I going to fit that in and fuck 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 and make it take longer to get better or i can be like okay what have I now got the opportunity to do what can I do
0: yeah. quick side note Love I had a infected out a few weeks ago really fuck me the craziest thing ever. So I went to bed mm-hmm. like I don't know 11 p.m. Woke up at 3 a.m. in like the worst pain I can ever remember registering. Um, four hours later, I'm in A and E getting showered up by some nurse because I don't have a GP in Wales because I oh, just moved there a few years ago. Yeah. and it was huge, ridiculous. I didn't even get Mine's infected. Still like out, that now? Crazy. I've got the
1: British champs in 18 days or something, so I had to go back to training last night and just strap the whole thing up.
0: Tom uh, Hardy's in me weight division. <laughs> yeah, mad. Yeah, he's getting it. <laughs> uh, yeah. The second one, you were right. The second one, he said, don't get caught up on the how. Um, yeah. Sorry, don't get so caught up on how that if you get to ask who,
1: yeah, um, who this, that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned in the last two years. but constantly figure, how can I achieve that? How can I do this? How can I get there? Like someone's already there, man. Yeah, someone can open that door for you. Who do, who do I know that's already there? Who can I hire that's already there? Who can help me with this? Who can assist me with this? Who can help me get there faster? Who can open me door? Who knows the who? If there's a different who, who knows him? Yeah, that's how I've made in the last two years. That's the biggest shift that I've had. Now I'm, i mean this morning I've been on the phone with the 4 K and I was on the phone with the guys from ThruDoc. I could try and run my own event, or I can be like, okay, who do I know? Well, I know Stars and Louie from ThruDoc. They know Foxy. We'll get all those guys in. They can run the event for us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Clearly yeah. it'll cost me more money, but it'll save me time, it'll save me energy. And it would be a way better event than i will be able to put on. So that's one of the that's one of the and, and again, that's one of the fastest ways to grow your network. Who knows him? Who knows her? Who can get me in there? Do you know what I'm saying? It's yeah, huge yeah. that.
0: Huge that. Yeah. The third one was self-doubt means you're growing. Oh, although, yeah. although, yeah. although I've heard you say a million times that imposter syndrome doesn't exist. So, so how is this that's different? That's what that is. So self-doubt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're saying that look at it positively, right? Yeah. yeah because
1: you think about this, I get the whole imposter syndrome thing. I've, I've felt those feelings because that's all it is. It's a feeling. It's yeah. a feeling of discomfort, a feeling of self-doubt, a feeling that you could get, find out, found out. If you think you have imposter syndrome, who diagnosed you? <laughs> What cream do you take? What's the diagnosis? What are the symptoms? The symptoms are those things. Self-doubt, fear, nerves that you're going to get found, whatever it is. And I don't believe, I can't see how labeling it, labeling yourself, because that's, I can't see how labeling it and diagnosing yourself with it is in any way empowering. I think it's a label that you can place on yourself that doesn't make anything, if it makes you feel better, great, but I can't see how it can empower you. Yeah, I can't. I can't see. Oh well, I've got imposter syndrome, so therefore, I'm not going to do that. I can If it empowers you, great. I'm all for it. But I can't see how it does. I don't know anybody that uses imposter syndrome in a powerful way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's passing the blame for the feelings that you've got onto something else, which is by default disempowering yourself and <laughs> e- empowering a syndrome that doesn't even exist. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You you're, you're putting the power into you. You're placing energy into syndrome rather than energy into you. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. That's why I just don't, that's why I'm not buying it. I get it. And I've clearly felt those feelings. I mean, fucking hell when you put on a stage in front of fucking hell, Belfast, September, I'm on stage in front of 1500 people opening for James Smith in Belfast. who don't know who I am in me budgie smugglers, nothing but budgie smugglers and a pair of goggles. If that's not a definition of, I feel like an imposter here. I don't know what is, but I just refuse to buy into that label because I can't see how it empowers me. So and they, I'm all about empowering
0: myself and putting energy into myself. They were your free from last year. Yeah. We're almost at the end of this year now. Yeah, give me three things you've learned this year. Oh shit!
1: Wow. I'm trying to think of new insights, I can't think of many new ones. One of them would be uh, I can't see any benefits to boozing. I can't see any drawbacks to stopping boozing. Uh, number two is, I'd go again with people don't. I don't. I've never had a time management problem only ever an energy management problem. It's not, you can't manage time. You can only allocate time and energy. will crush time every day of the week. Uh, the third one would be. Ooh, ooh, I'm trying to think of some lessons. Yeah. Life is not about the things that I get to buy and the things that I get to show people. It's about the stories I get to tell people. Like I'm making my big photos this year and I get not boozing his help with this is creating magic moments in my life. Like I'm, I'm, I think I'm getting old where I'm, I'm the things that I'm doing. I'm like, (laughs) yes, I'm not example. (laughs) My wife goes mad with me. Every time I go somewhere, I try and buy a Christmas bauble because when I get the Christmas tree out, I want to be like, Hey, my mama did this. Yeah. My mama did that. My when did that fucking Daft Hulk ride at Warner Brothers? No, at Universal. Like, I want these Christmas baubles to be representations of the memories that we've made together as a family. Yeah. Like, that's how I know I'm getting old. So my life now is about magic moments and being able to say, hey, look at this that I did. This was really cool. And people asking me about that. People are like, you're always doing mad shit. I'm like, yeah, because that's what I'm... When I die, I want my life to not to be like, fucking hell, what a ride. What a fucking ride. And all I do that, I've got to get uncomfortable. In order do that, I've got to make memories. I don't want to get there in my life and think, fucking hell. I've done nothing. I've seen nothing. I've experienced nothing. I've just lived a boring life. I've finished school. I've met a bird. I've had kids. I've got married. I've gone to work. I've retired and I've died. That life is my idea of a nightmare. And and this has been reiterated in the last two years because so many people who are my age are dying. It's mad. So many people in my town. Last week, a lad who I know, 36 in jail, obviously, because he knows me. (laughs) But he's in jail. 36 died of a heart attack. 36. One of my best friends died last year, 45. Like I'm seeing all this happen. And that that fucking killed me that last year. And that's what I'm seeing now. I'm like, I want to look back at my life and think what a fucking ride that was. And it's not even about leaving a legacy or building an empire anymore for me. It's about, I want to experience magic moments and building a business that's profitable and, <coughs> and, and making money now is okay. Well, I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm vested smart. I do invest it smart. But I'm, like, I'm not all about living a frugal lifestyle so I can be the richest man in the graveyard or even so that I can live my, leave my kids with loads of fucking money so that they don't have to do anything. I want my kids to be like, hey dad, remember did that? Hey dad, what are we doing this weekend? Hey dad, where are we going on holiday next year? Hey dad, can we go and do this? Can we go and see this? Can we go and meet them? Come That's what I want my life to look like. So th- that whole thing about magic moments and telling stories versus fucking show me what you bought. I still like nice things. I've just bought a Porsche. But it's, it's, that, that's, one of my biggest lessons this year is life is a series for me of magic moments. And if I train my brain to look for them, it'll want more of them and find more of them. Yeah.
0: Amazing. It's a great That's place it. to finish. Paul, thank you so much. Well, for this. I'm going to make so sure much, that though. the, uh, the link to your website's in the show notes. However, Amazing. I know you're very good at world class plugs. So, where else can people go? Give me some Paul Mort plugs. Uh, Paul Mort
1: plugs. PaulMort.uk is my website. I think it's been done up. I think it's got loads of free shit on it. Um, Paul Mort1 on Instagram. Watch out for them fake accounts because uh, I haven't got a blue tick yet. Yeah. Um, and uh, you can go check out my podcast, Paul Mort Talks Shit. Um, and yeah, the best place to go, the best place to start with what, with me, is probably uh, Paul Mort will save your life on Audible. The only thing I don't like about that is I don't get your email address, which I I can't market here, but the book is, the book tells my whole story and the stories of five, six men who've turned their lives around
0: also. Incredible, thank you. Thank you so much. Cheers.